Welcome to the 3 and D podcast. Coming to you live from Houston, Texas, or to get even more specific, Pearland, Texas, with my boy, Wizzy Wayne. What's good, bro? You know what, man? We feeling good over here, man. Feeling good. About to go to Tennessee. Yes, sir. So how long of a flight is it to Tennessee? We're talking like four hours, six hours, two hours. I have Texas no idea. to Tennessee. I'm driving. Oh, you're driving? Oh, yeah. You are brave, sir. That's the best way to go, man. I guess so. So have you seen how long of a drive it's going to be? It's going to be like, well, it was going to be around eight and a half. But the way I was going, the bridge is out to go into Tennessee. So I have to take another route, which is going to be like nine and a half hours. Mm. So you are sucks, brave. But and I would be concerned to do that in my own car. But that's mm-hmm. because of uh, it just being an older car and probably for me not taking as good of care of it as I could. <laughs> but I know you take care of your car, so you're going to be fine. Yeah, I love my car. All right, Wayne, we were wrong about a couple things from our last oh, podcast. Goodness. <laughs> That's putting it mildly. <laughs> yes. Uh, I put it kindly for the sake of the listeners. Um, yeah. But we'll kind of start out just by addressing we were, we were right about L.A. beating Golden State. Mm-hmm. We were wrong about uh, Golden State beating Memphis. It turns out that Memphis came out on top in that play. And, and so they ended up in the playoffs. And then on the flip side of things, I did not really expect Boston to beat Washington. And then Washington ended up beating Indiana. And I know you had chosen the Hornets to beat Indiana, but it turns out Indiana came out on top on that one. So we were just all over the place on that one, which is okay. Um, but, The purpose of today is to kind of recap or give just one little thought on each first round series, because as of today that we're recording this, the Eastern Conference semifinals and the Western Conference semifinals are officially underway. We were kind of waiting for that uh, Clippers Dallas series to conclude yesterday, which we'll get to in a little bit. Um, But today we're just going to give a recap of each first round series. And then secondly, we're going to make our predictions for round two, just like we did with the first round. Hopefully, we're a little bit more accurate with round two, but we will <laughs> see. Just a reminder, we are not experts. We are casual fans to the nth degree. We are such casual fans. Yes, please. So Don't, don't come after us. Yeah, don't come after us. Don't ask us um, our basketball input and what X's and O's are going to be drawn up. We're just casual fans. We like entertainment. And so hopefully we're going to entertain you with some predictions here today. But first, let's talk about those first round series. We'll start, Wayne, with the most recent one that just concluded Clippers versus Mavericks. This was just like in the bubble last year, a very entertaining series all the way to seven games. And I'll give my thoughts first. First off, Luka Doncic is just insanely good. I know we're just Mm -hmm. speaking like just things that people are probably already aware of at this point, but this guy is just absolutely unreal with the way that he handles the ball and the way he shoots the ball and facilitates for his team. But unfortunately, you cannot be a one-man wrecking crew in the playoffs and be successful. This is coming from a Houston Rockets fan 
who had James Harden, who was a one-man wrecking crew for a long time. And as you can tell, it never resulted in a championship. But the good news for Dallas is that Luka Doncic is young. This is his third year with the team. And he's already one of the most elite players in the NBA. So uh, first off, props to him. Second off on the Dallas side of things, Kristaps Porzingis is probably not worth the money that you're actually paying him. When you look at yeah, when you look at the Knicks Porzingis, he's great. He was amazing. He was a, he was an all-star. But I don't think he's quite found out how to be a co-star. And notice how I said co-star because he is not the star on this team obviously <laughs> because that's Luka Doncic. And funny enough, as of today, June 7th, we're seeing reports that came out that says, you know, Porzingis is not happy with his role. He's not uh He's not fond of how he's being used on the team. I think it's kind of funny that that comes out right after the loss. To me, you kind of have to prove that. You have to show why you're uh, the second best player on the team. And honestly, he did not show that one bit. He just wasn't He wasn't there. The only time I saw him being successful was when he would uh, make a baseline cut um, on the three-point line and just get an easy dunk. Other than, other than that, like I didn't really see any effective play from him so they have to figure out what to do with him personally i think dallas needs another creator on their team besides Doncic because kp's not really a creator um he's gonna be a guy who can maybe protect the paint get an occasional three but i think he should more so be a third star um not a second star so i think it would be great if they can find another creator demar Derozan's a free agent he's a guy that could create for you potentially um but on the Clipper side of things, you got to give props to this team because they could have easily folded after being down 2-0 in this series, but they came back, they rallied. Kawhi Leonard is an absolute juggernaut, and I know you've talked about how he's one of your favorite players to watch uh, even since the San Antonio days. This guy's just absolutely insane, and you forget about how good some of these players are. And then when they come up in these moments, like in game six, when he was hitting shot after shot in the clutch, you just realize like, wow, this guy can be a bucket for me and guard the other team's best player. Not a lot of guys can do that, especially in the NBA, the most competitive league in the world. It's very hard to do that. You're either, most guys are either a specialist on defense or a specialist on offense. Um, So I really thought that he did amazing and give it up to the Clippers role players like Reggie Jackson, a guy who for the most part was a forgotten player uh, in the last couple years heading to Detroit. Um, But he has, he just honestly, and I tweeted this, I said, Reggie Jackson saved the Clippers franchise and Paul George's legacy because he was the one in game six that actually gave them the bump in the first half to get them over the hump. And then in game seven, you saw him and Marcus Morris hitting clutch shot after clutch shot, probably in the last two minutes or so to solidify that game. But they, the Clippers showed me that they could overcome adversity. And I think that's going to be really important, not just for this series, but moving forward, the fact that hey, they didn't just get an easy team, just that they could fold over and then move on. They actually face some adversity, and that's going to be used for when they face future adversity. So I think for them to experience that in the first round is really good. And this was an entertaining series to watch. I'm excited for Dallas to get better because I really enjoy watching Doncic play. 
I do think he's kind of a crybaby. He <laughs> he throws his hands up at every, you know, any sort of contact that's made on him. So I think he has to get a little bit better uh, with that. But overall, the guy's just absolutely insane. But give the Clippers credit because after last year, everybody was expecting this team to fold and really ready to just make fun of them and ridicule them. But they overcame and they're moving on. Uh, but what were your some of your thoughts from uh, the series? <clears throat> well, number one, I, I love Twitter. And so I would go on Twitter after some of these games and see what people were saying about the, the games and stuff. And one thing that caught my eye, because you brought up Kristaps Porzingis, someone tweeted, they're like, Kristaps Porzingis isn't six nine or whatever, however tall he is. They're like, Chris Porzingis isn't 6'9". He's 5'27". And I was like, at first I was like, yeah, it's funny. But then I was like, it makes sense. Because when you look at Chris Porzingis' play, the dude's tall. And you expect him to do big man things. But he will not do big man things. He's like that uh, dude perfect stereotype video uh, for pickup basketball when you got the big man who only shoots threes. Like, that's Chris Porzingis. I saw him go down. What were you going to say? I was going to say, and you would think in today's game, that would be the player that you want. But if I, it works, I, if it if it works, but you have to. Now, I, I will say this for Dallas: he didn't get nearly as many shot attempts as he probably would want. And I think, as a guy who was kind of a number one option in New York coming to this, that is a learning adjustment. But Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe they're not using him the right way. Maybe he's not getting as much touches as he'd like. But I know just even in the bubble last year when he was healthy, it was like, man, this guy's really making an impact on the game. Like he's doing great things. I just didn't see that this series. And unfortunately, it to me, it resulted in them um, not overcoming and moving on to the second round in large part to his play. Yeah. And so... <laughs> I just thought that was funny, man. It, he just makes a lot of, not mistakes, because, I mean, he's he's getting good looks. They're just not falling for him. But, yeah, Chris S. Porzingis, he definitely could have stepped up. Another thing is, I, I said it before and I'll say it again, you got to put some respect on Kawhi Leonard's name. If he didn't prove it to you when he was in Toronto, he's going to do it again for the, for the Clippers. That man, I think it was at one point they were keeping track of how many points he scored per game. Like, first game, he had, like, 25. Then the next game, 29. Then the next game, he had, like, 40-something. And he was just, like, progressively getting better. And it was like, this man will put the team on his back because he wants to win. And he remembers what happened last playoffs. He's like, that's not happening again. We're not doing that again. So he came out, and he was like, you know what? I don't care what I got to do. I'm putting the team on my back. And I remember watching these games with him, like, going shot for shot with Luka. They're just going back and forth. And him just, like, digging deep into his bag. And just pulling out moves and like breaking ankles and crossing people and dunking on uh what's his name uh I forgot what the the big man is for the other big man not posing this was it Dwight Powell or was it uh, Boban? No, nah, it was another one. Like Zub- was it Zubak? Did they have Zubak? Well, Zubak is on the Clippers. He dunked on somebody, some other dude. It wasn't Porzingis. Yeah, he, he had like he had like two really fascinating dunks. I was just like, this man is just not here for the smoke. Like, he just wants to put everything behind him and move on. So, shout out to Kawhi Leonard. He is one of my favorite players in the league right now. So, for and, sure, give that man his props. And thank God that we didn't have to. You know, you really haven't heard much talk about Paul George. And I think that's a good thing because 
he he had an okay series. I mean, he averaged like 24 points, but he wasn't like outstanding like Kawhi was. And I think that's kind of how it's going to have to be for this team is Kawhi is going to have to be the one that shines and Paul George is going to have to be the secondary guy, the, the guy mm-hmm. that really just picks up the loose ends. And I think he kind of did that this series. So if we can see that Kawhi um, and Paul George just kind of fits into that secondary role, I think this team can end up being really successful in these playoffs. Yeah, and then one more one more point that I am uh, want to bring up for the Mavericks. That man, Tim Hardaway Jr., he came in clutch in some of these games. And He's he a was bucket. Really, really out there. And I, they were like, he would make a shot and they'd pan over to his dad in the, in the stands. I'm just like, man, what a proud dad moment to just be sitting there watching your son just go at it, man. Just going yeah. at some of the best players in the league and really just giving them a hard time. Because we're like, you know, Porzingis was lacking. Tim Hardaway Jr. was like, look, I'll put the team on my back too. Let's go. Right. I think I think he might, uh, Tim Hardaway Jr., I think he might be a free agent this summer. So Dallas has got some decisions to make when it comes to free agency and potentially re-signing some players too. But let's move on to the, let's move on to the East. Let's, uh, let's talk about the Hawks-Knicks series. This Ooh. one, this one was very entertaining. Now, we talk about the last one, seven games. This one was only five games, and you would think a five-game series is not very entertaining. But just the entertainment value of what this brought, even you know the antics on the court and the things from the crowd. First off, it was just – I think the win for me from this series is just that the Knicks are back in the playoffs. Now, I know they lost. I get that. Mm-hmm. But to have the Knicks back in the playoffs – and MSG rocking, dude. I, I was watching that going. It brings me so much joy to see fans back in stadiums, just because the Knicks, the Knicks fans really brought it. Like they, you know how they have that just mantra around them that they're when when you come and play at MSG, it's just a legendary thing. Like you, as a player, you'll never forget it. As a fan, you'll never forget it. And I think this series really encapsulated that. So from that standpoint, I loved it. And, you know, also the Hawks fans at their stadium, they were rocking too. I mean, everyone brought it, and I, I just love to see the fandom back in the game. And I think you would agree, it's just totally different watching a game where there's no fans versus watching a game where there is fans. It just, the dynamics of it are totally different. It's, even in the mental capacity for play, for players, like I think about the Miami Heat. Who, which we're going to talk about in a second, but obviously they did not have a great series. Last year they went all the way to the NBA Finals, no fans. Does that play into it for some players and for some teams to not have that emotional pressure? And I think you're starting to see some of that in these playoffs with fans being back in the building. So it was really cool to see that um, in this series. Also, um, I don't know what you thought about from the MSG crowd, the Trey is balding chance. I don't know if you heard about that, but they were chanting oh, Trey is balding. Uh-huh. And I and I think I think the MSG staff was like handing out to fans chance to say, which I think is kind of really lame. Like, why don't you just let the fans come up with their own chance? Why are you curating chance for them to do? And I think that might have been where the Trey's balding one came out. I'm not really sure. Anyways, I think Wayne, that only added fuel to the fire for Trey Young. Oh, it was because over, he it was, over. was insanely good. 
you know who he reminds me a lot of is like a prime Kimba Walker. Just a small guard who is really shifty, can get around anybody, has got that floater when he gets into the paint, has has the occasional three, can just cross over anybody and lose them uh, in a second. But he reminded me so much, especially being an MSG, of how uh, Reggie Miller was that like villain for the Knicks who had the legendary like putting his hands around his neck saying that the other team choked like and then you saw Trey Young with the finger to his mouth and just t- like the bow at the end of the mm-hmm. game five. Like this dude was entertainment for the NBA. And I really love that for the Hawks too, because the Hawks weren't on really anybody's radar coming into the playoffs. Like nobody was talking about them. Nobody really wanted to talk about them. And Trey Young and the Hawks gave uh, the NBA a reason to talk about them. And then on the Knicks side of things, I think, in, and, you know, I just talked about the mental game when it comes to this, about fans being in the stadium and other factors that play into it. I really think that affected Julius Randle big time in the series because he was a guy and, you know, props to him. He won most improved player. I think that, you know, came out after uh, the last podcast we recorded. So props to him. He had a great regular season, 24 points, an all-star, uh, the Knicks' best player. You know, unfortunately, he was not the Knicks' best player in the series. Really, it was Derrick Rose. Um, You even saw Alec Burks having some of his best games in this, like guys you wouldn't really expect. And I think that was a big part of why uh, the Knicks were not successful in defeating the Hawks. And the Hawks just had way too many creators and shooters than the Knicks had. Uh, We talked in the last podcast about this really being like an offense versus defense kind of series, and that showed. Um, But, you know, I also talked about how, like, Taj Gibson and Derrick Rose were going to be important guys for the Knicks because those are the guys who have actually been in the playoffs and done this before. And you saw Derrick Rose as the most successful guy for the Knicks. And so I think you saw that experience on display for a lot of these young guys and Julius Randle is by no means young at this point. It's his seventh year, but he hasn't had a lot of playoff success. So you hope for a guy like him that he can, that they'll stick with him uh, with the Knicks um, and that you just give it a go next year and hope that he can jump over that hurdle. I think there's some grace here for, for the Knicks and for Julius oh, yeah, Randle. Sure. Yeah. Um, but credit to the Hawks and credit to Trey Young for really making a name for himself here uh, in the playoffs for the first time. Yeah, and, and speaking of Julius Randle, I know we're saying that, you know, he's the guy. He's in New York. He's on this team, and everybody kind of is, like, expecting him to go out there and be the leader of this team, which he was for the regular season. I mean, he obviously, you said, most improved player. Um, he's been in the league for seven years, and it's, um, he's never really had to be the guy, you know. So I think for him coming into this new season, and he was, like, noticing, oh, snap, like, I can do this. I've, I've been in my bag all season. I can do this. But playoff basketball is different. It's not, you know, regular season basketball. you got to take it up a notch. And so I think he's still learning, even though he's been in the league for a while, he's learning now, okay, if I'm the guy, that my play has to be exponentially better once playoffs start. Because once, once that, you know, you cross that line from regular season to playoffs, it's a whole different ball game. People are going to be gunning at you different. Coach is going to game plan for you different because they want to win by any means possible. So they're going to try and take you out your element. And so I think 
playing against the Hawks, he was definitely taken out of his element. But I like you said, we give him some grace because now he has that experience of being the guy and being in the playoffs. So who's to say next season he's like, all right, cool. I'm gonna take the L like a man next season. I'm gonna work even harder. Once playoffs hit, we're gonna take it up a notch. So I really commend him commend him for going out there and really just trying his best. Um but it's just it's Trey Young, man. Hey man, and, the the only way you can get up is if you get knocked down. Exactly. And but shoot, Trey Young for sure knocked him down. <laughs> Trey, That's right. Look, bro. And I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. When they were chanting at Trey Young, I think it was game one. And they were chanting at Trey Young. They were saying something. Was it game one or I don't know. But it was a game when the, the fans were just going at Trey Young. And he looked at him and he laughed. And I was like, see, y'all done messed up. It's over. I mean, Spike Lee, I'm sorry, bro. You mm-hmm. sit on the sideline, got your court li- your courtside seats. You just going to watch L's all day. I-, I feel really bad for you, dog. And this was obviously the also the series um, where we had we had, we actually had multiple fan incidents in this first oh, round. Goodness. This was the one where uh, Trey Young's on the uh, inbounding the ball and a fan spits on him. Like, what, yeah. kind of, what kind of idiot are you? Especially in a in a day like today when you know COVID is still a thing, uh, so you don't oh, know. He pulled on his mask to do it, right? Yeah, it's sure, like, yeah. come on, man! Like. If if you're gonna be sitting that close, number one, you just shouldn't do that. Period. But just have some decency, man. Uh, I just remember this too. I believe this just came out a couple hours ago, actually. That Tom Thibodeau is the coach of the year for the Knicks. Oh yeah. So now they have the most improved and the coach of the year. But honestly, dude, that one shocked me that he got coach of the year because I was expecting it to be Monty Williams for the Suns. Yeah. Uh, because the Knicks. They were what a fourth seed, and then you had the Suns not making the playoffs for years, just like the Knicks, but becoming the two seed. Or wait, are they the one seed, two or one? I think the the Suns. Oh, the Suns. They're the two seed. Either way, a huge jump. So I was expecting ten to two. That's crazy. Yeah. So I personally thought Monty Williams should have got it, but uh, you know you got to congratulate guys when they have success. So congrats to. Tom Thibodeau for rocking out the coach of the year. Let's keep Tim moving years. though. Let's get it. Let's keep moving though to um we'll stay in the east right here. Not the most inter- you know, actually the next two, we'll kind of lump them together because they were both not super entertaining series. First one was Boston Brooklyn. Now look, we knew how this one was going to go. Um Tatum gave it his all. I think he had a 50 piece in one of the games. But, you know, I I spoke to you about this on the last podcast, too. You really don't know what you're going to get with him. It's like one game he has 50, and then the next game he's like a no-show. And I know he got a little injured in one of the games, too. Um, But, listen, this was chicken wrap from the start. Uh, Especially, (laughs) I think Kemba and Robert Williams were out for multiple games. And I didn't really know why. Like, I didn't know why Kemba was out. They just said on the you know the players report that he was out, and obviously he's another guy that you're relying on when you're already shorthanded, when you're already missing Jalen Brown. But listen, the Nets are just way too much, and I I think we take for granted too. Kevin Durant is just absolutely one of the most skilled players we have ever seen in this game. He is just silky smooth with the basketball. 
We talk about a basically a seven footer who can handle like him, who can shoot over anybody, who can lock down your best player. And he showed that again in this series. And then you had James Harden creating, Kyrie doing his thing, Joe Harris picking up the scraps. Uh, Blake Griffin had some moments, you know, like this was, this was really what we expected from the Nets. Um, but, you know, I don't really know what Boston's going to do moving forward. You saw the news that they, they moved Brad Stevens up to the front office mm-hmm. and oh, goodness, I'm drawing a brain fart right now. Who is the, who is, uh, in that seat before him? He, but he stepped oh, Danny out. Ainge. Danny Ainge. Thank you. Danny Ainge retires and then Brad Stevens steps in. So that was kind of odd to me, just that that move. I guess that was on the horizon even months before this. Um, but I always thought it would be kind of weird, like Brad Stevens interviewing the next coach when he was the last coach. Like, <laughs> hey, what are you going to do better than the last coach? Oh, you were the well. <laughs> And then the oh, guy being yeah. interviewed is like, well, I better not say anything bad here because the guy who was the coach is interviewing me. He's looking uh, right at me. You know what I mean? Let me think of something else. I was going to lay into it, but you know what? I'm calm down. Right. So I don't really know what the Celtics are going to do uh, this offseason. I think you do have to – you might have to move on from Kimba Walker, honestly. Like he doesn't look like himself. He's injured uh, more than he's healthy at this point. And, yes, you have – Jalen and Jason locked up for years to come, but I think you're going to need another creator or more of a defensive anchor down low. A guy like miles Turner from the Pacers would be great for that team. Uh, A guy who can stretch the floor, but also protect the paint. Um, So yeah, I don't know what they're going to do moving forward, but obviously give credit to Brooklyn and give credit to Boston. I think a lot of people thought this was going to be a sweep. Boston ended up getting one game off of them. Uh, that might have been the 50-point game from Tatum. So, yeah, but this one was chicken wrap from the start. Any thoughts on this series? Um, I mean, not really. You pretty much covered everything, but just the Nets have too much firepower, man. They just, they're just overwhelming. I mean, we even saw it tonight when they were playing the Bucks and how they just overwhelm you, with even without James Harden playing. They're just too much. There's Kyrie. There's KD. There's... Blake Griffin, who forever, for whatever reason, decided to play like he played with the Clippers now. Like he was like bamboozling all of us when he was with Pistons. He owes he owes Detroit some money. Oh yeah. He gotta send some checks. He gotta send some uh some some gift cards or something back there because he was like, Hey, y'all were just a stepping stone. All right, I get it. But yeah, the Nets are just way too overpowering. So I mean, shout out to to Boston for uh, going out there and giving them a little run for their money even though they still ended up with a gentleman's sweep. But I don't know, man. Brooklyn is just way too good. They got it all locked down. So Another series where there was a fan incident in Boston. Fan throws a water bottle at Kyrie Irving as he's walking out. Oh, yeah, uh, I saw that. Just another idiotic thing. I think the guy got arrested and you know banned from the stadium for life. Uh, they were which trying I to think... charge him with like assault with a yeah. deadly weapon or something. I was like, right. I, do so, you? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I don't know the legalities of all of it, but I know that he's him and all these fans that have done this, I think have been, you know, banned indefinitely from these stadiums, which I think is a good thing. You got to set a precedent and you got to protect the players too. Um, you know, they're, 
they're the ones in the spotlight and have to, they're the ones entertaining us. So let them entertain you. Don't add more fuel to their fire by doing stupid stuff like throwing water bottles and everything. So anyways, um, the other boring series was Philadelphia, Washington, also a chicken wrap. I would say a double chicken wrap, double chicken wrap, yeah, double chicken wrap for sure. And this one was also five games. So you got to give credit to Washington for at least getting one. Uh, but you know what? Washington made it to the playoffs this year, which I think was a win considering how they started this year. They were horrible. Mm -hmm. And then they had that late surge in the second half. So I think that was a win for them. I do think you keep this team together. I think you keep Bradley Beal. I think you keep Russell Westbrook. And then you just tighten up things around them. I thought Davis Bertans did not have a great series and you're paying him like 80 million over four years. Guys, definitely not worth that, but I don't really know oh, heck no. that contract. Um, and I love Davis well, too, but yeah. he's not worth that much. He's not a, I don't think he's a third, you know, really he's with that kind of money. You're saying he's the third behind Russell and Beal. I don't think he's a third, uh, but maybe yeah. as your fifth or sixth best player. Awesome. Um, but you know what? Embiid got hurt this series, and I think that could have the potential to put a damper on the rest of the playoffs, potentially. I think he had a small meniscus tear, which yep. uh, was a big part in him missing time in his rookie year when he really didn't play at all. Uh, so you want a player to be cautious, and you also want him to know his body best to make the decision to go, oh, I'm good to go, or I'm not. Like you saw the incident with KD a couple years ago with Golden State. Trainers thought he was ready. Goes out there, he what is he ruptures Achilles with Achilles or ACL? I think it was Achilles. I get him mixed up because Clay, I think he also had a Achilles or ACL something in that series. The two A's I get mixed up ACL and Achilles. Anyways, yeah. So you know Embiid was out the rest of that series. It didn't really matter. And Tobias Harris, I got to give credit to him because that first game, he came out with like 37 points. He really set a tone uh, that was needed because he didn't know that Embiid was going to be out later. So to be that other creator and score that that team needed was uh, super crucial for the Sixers. Um, and then, again, this, you know, this is the last fan incident I'm going to talk about, but this is the one where Russell Westbrook's walking out after he gets ejected. Um and a fan throws popcorn on him. It's like, again, just watch the game and enjoy the game. I think Kevin Durant said it best when the Irving incident happened. He was like, dude, just come here and enjoy the basketball and go home. Like, that's all you got to yeah. do. Uh, but Philly's moving on. Washington gave it a good run. We'll see what they do in the offseason and next year. But uh, what were your thoughts on this one? Um. Pretty much same as yours. Washington, yeah, that team is pretty solid. And I do agree that they need to move on from either move on from Davis or like demote his role on the team because, I mean, Davis played for the Spurs and we knew what it was. You come in, you give, you give us some good points from the bench or whatever, give us some threes, and you go sit down. You're not, you know, four years, $80 million. You're, you're the bench role, six-man kind of type player. So, yeah, he kind of – was that missing link for the, for the wizards, I think. Um, but the 76ers are like, like they're the team that I look at and I'm just like, man, this team should not work, but it does. And I only say that because like you have a point guard who's not really a shooter. 
He just goes out. He facilitates. He can get to the bucket if he needs to. Maybe hit you with a turnaround jump shot if, you know, whatever. Then you got, like, Tobias Harris who goes out there, and he's, like, man, plays out of his mind. And he has the ability to play out of his mind. And so if you just let that man go out and just do what he can, bow. I mean, then you have Joel Embiid who's, like, the freaking – I don't know. The man, he's, he can do everything like Jokic, but he just does it with a little bit of like, a little bit of swagger to it, you know? Because, I mean, we all know Joel Embiid. Trust the process days. We've been there. We've done that. And the process is finally working out. The process now is just, it looks so weird to me. And I'm just like, I don't know how this team works, but it does. And then you have um, Rivers coming in. And, you know, after being with the Clippers for so long, he's like, you know what? I'm just going to bring some of that knowledge over here. And now they're back where they like it's like nothing ever changed. It's like, oh, we got some new pieces, we got a new head coach, but still, like we're just gonna keep doing what we've been doing. And the 76ers are right back at the top, like they were last season. And we're just like, well, what the heck, man? Like nothing about this team, to me at least, looks like it should work, but it does. So shout out to the 76ers for, you know, continually continuing to be great. I I'll, I'll just keep watching and keep hoping that things work out for them because I believe that, you know, they will probably get past the the Hawks um, in this series. But the 76ers are just steamrolling right now. And I'm just like, how the heck is this happening? But it's working out. So shout out to them. No doubt. Denver, Portland. We both, I think we both thought this was going to be seven games. I believe I chose Denver and you chose Portland for this one. Now, this was one of those series that you know, you looked at this one and you looked at uh, Milwaukee and Miami. And I told you, Wayne, I said, you know, don't you feel like there's some similarities with Portland and Milwaukee with both of their coaches? It was like, you knew one of them was bound to get fired if they lost in the first round. And unfortunately for Portland, it ended up being them with Denver beating them in six games. And lo and behold, Terry Stotts out as the head coach soon after. Uh, mm-hmm. I found it pretty amazing that he had been with Dame for his whole career. Yeah, uh, I saw that too. Like crazy. I, I, you don't see that much in the NBA with so much player turnover and coach turnover. But I got to say, and we do this year in and year out, you cannot simply base how successful a player's career is or was just off championships because it does matter the pieces around them, how the chips fall. There's probably some luck involved, just like with the Raptors. Look, KD and clay get hurt. Y'all guys, y'all got a little (laughs) lucky in that one. So some, some luck is involved, but you can't base a player's uh, ability to year in and year out, be successful you can't just base based off championships. You have to base it on what they produce too. And Damian Lillard does this every single year. And unfortunately it hasn't resulted in a lot of team success. It almost always results in playoff, uh, getting into the playoffs, but just not getting to that, uh, championship. I know Terry Stotts brought them to the Western conference finals a couple years ago, but they just can't seem to get over the hump, but you got to give credit to Dame especially in that that loss they had where he had 55 points on 12 three-pointers. The man was just absolutely insane. Um, But then you also have to give credit to Denver, who was already a hobbled team, missing Jamal Murray. And Jokic, listen, Jokic is not going to be 
as you know highlight worthy and Instagram Twitter worthy as like a Dame might be like when Dame was going off in that game look they still lost and he was the the talk of the night still mm-hmm. this man Jokic showed up every single game he might have had one game where he was a little off but other than that in these six games he absolutely dominated and picked apart this whole Portland team uh, so give it up for him and uh, MPJ Michael Porter Jr. Had a few good games in this one, oh. and is really emerging as that second star. I know in the it was either the game six or the game five, he had like twenty six points, and all the twenty six points came in the first half. He didn't score any in the second half. <laughs> and some people would look at that and go, "Well, you know what? Uh, you know, he didn't score anything in the second half. He should have had forty. But listen, you have to have a guy who gets you there in the first half in order to finish out the second half. Sometimes that guy isn't the same guy in the second half, but you have somebody like Jokic who can finish it off for you. That's how it should Mm -hmm. be. Like That's why I believe the Clippers were successful, and I think it was game five or game six, where Reggie Jackson scored like 21 points in the first quarter, and then Kawhi got to finish it off. Um, You do have finishers on a team, and then you have starters on a team. You know, fortunately for the Nuggets, MPJ started off hot for them, and then uh, Jokic got to finish it off. And just a quick shout out to um, who I believe really led the bench mob for Denver, Monte Morris. This guy was putting up a couple twenty point games in this series, and really just gave that spark off the bench that Denver needed, and was kind of an unsung hero to uh, help Denver get over the hump. And I really, really thought this was going to go seven games. And listen, Terry Stotts has got to be a little bit disappointed in how game six turned out because I believe they were up by like 15 or 19 points in that game. And then Denver rallied in the second half uh, and closed the job. So credit to Denver. They were my pick. I'm, I'm glad Denver's moving on because I, I genuinely enjoy watching them. However, I do feel bad for Damian Lillard. I don't know what they do in the offseason either. I think some changes are obviously on the horizon. I don't mean I don't know if that means Dame requests a trade. I don't think that's gonna happen. He's pretty loyal. Uh, but it could mean a CJ's gone or a Nurkic is gone. Who are they gonna get as their next coach? I know Jason Kidd was in that mix because apparently Dame said, I want Jason Kidd as my next coach. And then it comes out a couple days later that Jason Kidd takes his name out of the drawing for that head coaching position, was which was a little bit confusing. But then I started to think about it more, and I said, you know what? That's probably smart of Jason Kidd because whichever coach comes in next, they are expected to bring the Blazers a championship. This is not a rebuilding team. So you think about as a young coach who isn't solidified in, in the league yet, like Jason Kidd, I wouldn't want to walk into that knowing if I'm unsuccessful after one year, this corrupts my chances to ever get a head coaching job again. You know, like if I were him, I would want to walk into maybe a more younger situation where there's more grace that might be extended for me to have some losses here and there and some playoff upsets. I don't think you're going to get that with the Blazers. I think you're going to have to get a guy who's comfortable coming in and has high expectations and everything falls on that guy. So we'll see how it turns out. But what did you think about this series uh, overall? Well, first off, standing ovation for these guys, for Damian Lillard coming out 
and legitimately putting the team on his back. I remember watching that game that went into like uh, the double overtime when he had the 55, the 12 threes and all that stuff. And I was watching it with my brother and, you know, coming down to crunch time, we're like, oh, snap, it's going, over, going in OT, right? And then OT hits and the Nuggets like just take off and they're up by like six points or nine points, almost 10 points, something like that. And then he goes, all right, just turn it off. Yeah, the, the Blazers lost. And then I, I turned the TV off and we started watching something else. And I looked at my phone because I got an update from ESPN and it was like double overtime. And I was like, you got to be kidding me, bro. You got to be kidding me. So we turned it back on and sure enough, double overtime starting. I'm like, man, this man, Damian Lillard. And then they were like, he hit like uh, three back-to-back-to-back threes to bring them back and send it in double overtime. I'm like, he just doesn't want to lose. And we have a guy like that who can literally, you can, they call him Logo Lillard because he'll pull it from the logo. This man has like so much, street cred in portland it's ridiculous like they love this guy so i don't see him leaving anytime soon but they do need to start getting some more pieces and getting some more help um i forgot where i saw this but someone was like having like two strong guards come playoff time is not really what you want you got to have some more uh star power deeper into that roster especially in your like small forwards and power forwards and I mean, they have some good pieces over there, like Robert Covington. He, you know, did what he could, um, even though he kind of sold the bag in that last game, just a little bit. I think missing two dunks, it's okay, whatever. <laughs> no one's going to remember that except you, I guess. So, but, I mean, they have some good. Uh, and apparently yeah. you. Yeah, and apparently me. I, I will remember <laughs> that. Sorry, buddy. <laughs> Catch me on Twitter, at HatrickWizzy. <laughs> so, it's just, it's disappointing. Yeah. But it was really cool to see Damian Lillard just not want to lose. And, like, it was his teammates that kind of let him down. Like, it wasn't him. He did everything he could, literally. So, uh, just they need some more depth. They, might, they need some more, like, star power at the bottom of that starting five. And really just to, you know, say, Damian, I know you're going to go out and give us 45 and 15. You know, just – I got the rest. Let me handle the rest. I know you're going to go out there and do your thing. They need some other guys down the bench that can be like, all right, we got you, buddy. So next season, whoever they get a head coach, we'll see what happens. It's going to be for sure weird for Dame having a different coach. I mean, he's been in the league for, was it eight or nine seasons, eight seasons, I think. And he's been with Terry Stotts his whole time. So it's going to be really weird for him to have to adjust to a new coach. But it's Damian Lillard. He's going to be fine. And then on the Nuggets side, the reason I picked Portland over over um, the Nuggets was because Jamal Murray's out, and they were missing that firepower from him. I mean, we saw it in the bubble when he was going back and forth with Donovan Mitchell. Like, the man can hit another notch, and he can turn it up. Like, if Damian Lillard's going off for 50, you best believe Jamal Murray is going to be trying to go off for 50 as well. So he was going to keep attacking, but he's not there. And then what I saw from Michael Porter Jr. stepping up in key moments – it was just like, even though they're missing a key component to their offense and defense and all that stuff, they really galvanized and, and kind of got behind Jokic. And they were like, you're going to be the guy like you've always been, but we're going to really step up in Jamal Murray's absence. And they did that to the nth degree. So shout out to the Nuggets. They're definitely no, no slouches. But moving into this next series, man, it's going to be a little bit tougher, but I'm ready for it. Mm, the spicy Denver Nuggets moving past the Trailblazers. Spicy Nuggets. 
All right. We're going to speed around these last three because we got some uh, round two predictions to get to. Milwaukee, Miami. This was like the supreme chicken wrap for for this series. Total sweep might have been the – I think it was the only sweep of all the rounds that we saw. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I think what you saw from this one is just – this was not the same Miami team from in the bubble. They were missing Jay Crowder, uh, which, you know, that he really brought that defensive tenacity and the ability to uh, make all those threes and go crazy like he did in the bubble. But also, I think he, I think they thought Trevor Reza was going to be the guy who was going to kind of fill Jay Crowder's role. And Giannis just absolutely destroyed Trevor Reza any time that he was guarding him. He just could not keep up with him. And really, a lot of them couldn't. Jimmy Butler was not the same, uh, really couldn't. He really couldn't find his rhythm, and Bam Adebayo is certainly not good in this series either. I just think this is one of those series where you have to forgive and forget and find the pieces around your team that are going to make it successful. Tyler Tyler Hero was kind of a uh, an afterthought in this series as well. Like I think Duncan Robinson and Tyler Hero really made a name for themselves in the bubble, uh, but they they weren't really a huge factor in this one. Game one, Duncan Robinson really came out uh, shooting well, but I don't think he sustained super well throughout the whole thing. And, you know, you just got to give Miami credit. They played no games coming into this one. They didn't look back and remember what happened to them in five games in the bubble when they got defeated. They absolutely steamrolled uh, the Miami Heat. Drew Holiday was great in this series. Uh, He was exactly what you needed, somebody who could stop um, some some of the best players on the other end and also get you some key buckets on the offensive end. Um, and then a, another unsung hero for the Bucks, Bryn Forbes, former Spurs hey. player, came out and Brinny just Brin. was firing away, just shot after shot, three, just being an absolute juggernaut on the three-point line. So give uh, Milwaukee credit. They're moving on. They got some rest. Clearly it's not working right now. We're not. We'll get to talking about that in a little bit. But for this series, uh, I thought the Bucks did a great job of closing out Miami. Yeah, this was this was just no contest, man. I don't, I don't even know what else to say. Like, I was really looking forward to this being a really good series, and it just wasn't. It was kind of a letdown. So, I mean, shout out to Jimmy Butler. You know, he's gonna go out there. He's gonna give it his all. Um, but they just got to kind of get in the off season, do some rethinking, do some, uh, team building exercises and <laughs> get back to it. Because what we saw from them in this series was not, it wasn't fun. It wasn't good. It was just like, I don't even know, man. They just bring out the brooms from game one, bro. Like they just did not look like that Miami heat that we saw last season in the bubble. And like you brought up earlier, um, they were in the bubble. They kind of, you know, just kind of, no fans. They were just like, let's just play basketball. Let's just get back to basketball. And I think going into this series, that feeling that they had in the bubble was just not there. That camaraderie, that teamwork effort, it was just wasn't there. So they definitely have some things to look forward or look into in the offseason to get back to that bubble feeling. So we'll see what happens. But shout out to Giannis Anterumpo for going out there. Anterumpo. For going out there and just getting buckets, bro. Getting buckets. Big man buckets. 
big face coffee, more like little face coffee. Anyways, moving on, yeah. Utah, Memphis. This was, um, even though it was five games, I thought it was pretty entertaining. I really like watching the Grizzlies. They're young. They're very scrappy. I thought a guy like Dylan Brooks made a name for himself in this playoff, uh, this playoff series. Uh, just somebody who really gets into the grill of the best player. I think he was a guy in the regular season who committed a lot of fouls, but I think that shows his willingness to just get into guys. And also, I think he's a little bit underrated as an offensive player too. Uh, he had some great games, especially in that game one where um, that's where Utah stole, or I'm sorry, Memphis stole a game from Utah. And John Morant was just absolutely insane for this for this being his first uh, playoff series. Just, I think he was like the most, from a statistical standpoint, the best Memphis Grizzlies like in their debut or overall period. Um, so give you know give him a lot of credit. But you know, one thing that happened in this series was the Donovan Mitchell incident in Game One where. They're saying he's not ready, and then it comes out after the game that he says, I was ready. I don't know what this team is doing, and basically puts it back in the Jazz. And then the Jazz were like, all right, <laughs> well, I guess he's in now. And look, as soon as he came back in, he looked healthy. It didn't look like that ankle was giving him any problems. And he uh, he played with energy. He played with attitude. And they won four games in a row after being beat in that first uh, game. And you have to give, even though they're the once, you know, Wayne, they are the one seed. Utah is the one seed. You were right. Yeah, Suns yeah. are the two seed. Utah is the one seed. Anyways, I think there is a mental approach to this. Like if you're the one seed and you get beat that first game, like for the most part, you know, you're going to win the series, but you do have to overcome people going like, oh, they're kind of just like a fake number one seed. Like they're not really about it. They got beat by the Grizzlies. But, of course, they didn't have Donovan Mitchell that first game. But I'm really excited for Memphis' future. I don't think they have to change a lot. I just think that they have to keep playing with each other because they're all really young and just grow together with that core of Dylan Brooks, Ja Morant, uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. I know Justin Winslow, Justice Winslow didn't really get any playing time, but he's still young. We'll see if they're going to do anything with him. But anyways, um, Utah's moving on. Memphis packing up to Cancun. What were your thoughts on this? <laughs> so, first off, I don't know. You've watched The Office, right? Yes. Okay. Do you, remember the, do you remember the warehouse basketball game? Yes. <laughs> do you remember when, when Mike was like, Mike was like talking to Phyllis because Phyllis wanted to play or something like that? And he was like, no, you can't play. And then he was like, blessed are those who sit and wait, <laughs> suit up, you're on the team. <laughs> That's what I feel like they did with Donovan Mitchell. They were like, you sat and wait, buddy. Suit up. Game two is yours. <laughs> so that was just my takeaway. It was it was just funny for me. That he was that like, situation showed you players have the power, though. Like, yeah, for <laughs> if sure. They, if they speak up and say something, like that's what's got to go. Yeah. So, I mean, for real though, shout out John Morant because that kid. Like, when you look at the future of the NBA, mm. you know it's in good hands. There's a lot of good young players right now. Yeah, like, even though, you know, LeBron's going to retire at some point, and you're like, dang, that sucks. But, like, these up-and-coming superstars are going to take the league and just run with it. And I can't wait to see, like, John Morant going off. 
Trey Young going off, Luca going off, all these young guys just Devin really Booker. stepping into these roles. Devin Booker, Jason yes. Tatum, yes, come on, just really stepping into that role for their teams and just being like, look, we're gonna take this league to new heights, league the heights you ain't never seen before. So I'm I'm ready, but John Morant he went out there, he balled out. Um, I actually I don't watch a lot of Memphis basketball, but I did for this playoff series. Like I was like, yo. These guys are actually hooping, hooping. Young and scrappy played with a lot of attitude. They were good. You there, Wayne? Yeah. What happened? Okay, we 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 had a little bit of a connection issue. Sorry, I, I was just okay. say, I was just saying they're young, they're scrappy, they play with attitude. So, um, yeah, great team. Oh yeah, for sure. And I saw this tweet, and it was like. Um, talking about Dylan Brooks. It was like, Dylan Brooks is just evil Danny Green. And I looked at it because they had like a side-by-side picture of them. And I was like, yo, these guys look exactly the same. I heard somebody say um, that Dylan Brooks has the most punchable face in the league. So Dylan Brooks is a baller. I believe that he can really add some things to this Grizzlies team. I don't think you move on from him. I think you keep him and uh, Jaron Jackson and John Morant. You keep that trio tight and you just – look for other pieces to really help them out. Oh man, the sky is the limit for this Grizzlies team coming up in the next few years. I want to see what they can do together, keeping that core together and just taking off. So it was a great series. Of course, Rudy Gobert just went out there and just literally locked down the paint. There was nothing. You went in the paint. This man got fly swatters for hands. He's just swatting everything, bro. Uh, So I love watching him play. I love watching him move. I, I think he's finally over that, uh, whole, covid incident <laughs> that he did, which still to this day makes me laugh and cringe so hard because that man is a complete goof but i think they're finally over that and they're past that and you know teams number one in, in the west so i mean did they have the best record it was at 76ers i'm not sure this season but either way number one in the west is a is a hard thing to do and they did it so shout out to the jazz moving on I think they do have some some like a legitimate chance to really make it to the finals this season. So we'll see what happens uh, this next series. But Jazz are scary, bro. Love me a good fly swatter. All right, moving on. Mm-hmm. Uh, you mentioned LeBron earlier, and the Lakers, the defending champions, are out in the first round. Phoenix beats them in six games. I think the key takeaways from this was really just injuries, period. Obviously, AD hurt his hamstring, tried to come back. That obviously didn't work. Uh, This guy is injured, like, all the time, though, man. Like, I just, I don't know what he's doing wrong. I don't know if he's focusing, like, too much on upper body strength and not enough lower body strength, and that's why he keeps getting these hamstring injuries and, you know, partial, like, Achilles uh, strains and stuff like that. But I don't know what he's got to do in the offseason, but... I think it has to do with some like muscle core body training with some of the best trainers out there. Cause he's got to get that right in order to have a long successful career. And then CP three, obviously with the, the bum shoulder, uh, he was hobbled, but he pushed through this, uh, this series too. And I had flashbacks of when CP three, uh, had that hamstring strain against Golden mm-hmm. State with the Rockets and just like I just was wanted to cry on the floor again just thinking back at that. Uh, I was just like, oh, 
oh, championship was so close. Yep. But this was only the first round. He ended up playing through it. And give it up for guys like Cameron Payne on the Suns. The old Cameron Payne, who on the sidelines with the OKC Thunder would do those pregame dances with Russell Westbrook. Who remembers that? Yes. Um, but he actually contributed. Uh, one of the best players in the series, knocking down shot for shot, uh, bringing the crowd into it, bringing energy. And look, Devin Booker, just absolutely insane. For this to be his first playoffs and to close out the series on a 47-point game to defeat the defending champs. Uh, give these sons a lot of credit because I think both you and I chose the Lakers in the series because yes. we were looking at experience over inexperience. And look, the Suns proved why they were the second seed. Uh, they were simply the better team. And yes, you can point it to injuries in this, but you have to also give credit to the fact that Look, they still had LeBron on the floor. It definitely looked like LeBron was showing some fatigue and honestly, some quit in him. Because, oh, yes, for sure. he was the best player for the Lakers still, but it just wasn't that same LeBron that takes over that we've seen time and time again. So the, the Phoenix Suns are moving on. The Lakers are out. Your takeaways. Uh, Number one, sorry, LeBron, man. I... Sorry, dog, because you could tell that man was defeated in some of these games. Wasn't getting back on defense, leaving the stadium early. Um, he just didn't want to be there. He's, it's one of those things where, like, you know he's going back to start making some trades. He's like, these guys ain't cutting it. Kuzma, gone. Uh, what's his name? Uh, Caruso, gone. Got to go. But, yeah, injuries definitely played a role in their demise. But also, if you look at it, uh, they put up this stat. If you look at this stat, you're going to be like, wow, Chris Paul is just, he's the guy. They look at like the the last, the four teams that he's played for, which is Hornets, uh, where's the Clippers? Where's the Hornets, Hornets, Clippers, OKC, Thunder, Rockets. Thunder, Rockets, and then now the Suns. And they were like, if you look at these teams, each time he comes into the team or comes like, you know, onto the roster, they become better the very next season. And I was like, that dude is just – he knows what it takes to win. He's a game changer. He is. And he doesn't do all the – he doesn't dunk or anything like that. He's not, like, super flashy. But he just knows where the ball needs to be. And put the team on his back in a different way. Not really, like, the flashy guy way, but in just a fundamentally sound way. Even with a hurt shoulder, still went out there facilitating to get the ball to whoever needs it. And then Devin Booker was just I don't even I don't even know what to say about Devin Booker anymore because that man can do no wrong in my eyes. There was a Ma game Mamba mentality. For real, man. Like this is the epitome of Mamba mentality right here. Um there was a game where he was just throwing up circus shots, like Steph Curry type falling down, just throwing it up, going running in the lane, just throwing it up off the glass, and it was going in. I was like, I I'm sorry, Lakers, there's nothing you can do. When those shots are falling, He's got the touch, so just just don't try and lose by too many points at this point. Like he's gonna give you a thirty piece. So shout out to Devin Booker, shout out to CP3, and shout out to DeAndre Ayton, man. Really going out oh, there. I and, forgot about him. He was amazing in the series, actually. Yeah, really going out there and saying, you know what? Look, I can hang with these guys. I, I'm really out here, so I really like his game. I'm, I forget, I forget it, that he's a 
the number one draft pick a couple of years ago. Like he's not That's just right. uh, like he was the like we you could you should kind of expect this from him, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm excited for these guys to make some more noise and we'll, you know, continue to talk about them. We're gonna talk about some round two matchups. So I'm excited, man. I'm really excited. The time has come, Wayne. The semi conference finals. Let's make some predictions. We are inching our way closer to that championship game, but there's still some more rounds to go. Let's stick with the Phoenix Suns. This game is actually happening right now. Game one of the series. It's right in front of me. It's a pretty close game. I think it's 58 to 57 at the half currently. Oh, wow. Uh, looks like some good matchups here, but I'm going to start with you. Denver versus Portland. How many games and who's moving on? Oh, Denver versus Phoenix? Yes. Yeah, I'm sorry, did Phoenix. I? You said Portland. It almost threw me off for a second. I was like, oh, we're going backwards. Okay. Um, <laughs> no, nah, Denver versus Phoenix, man. Listen, I actually have had a change of heart, okay? Because I did have the Lakers make it to the finals. Obviously, they're not in it anymore. And I actually have a bet. Right now, with a couple of my friends, we we picked the uh, we picked two teams, one from the east, one from the west, and like those are our teams that we think are going to make it. And I picked Brooklyn, of course, for the east, but also picked Phoenix, especially after seeing what they were doing to the Lakers. I was like, Phoenix is really out here. They're not, yeah. Don't put them down. Don't don't put them out the conversation anymore. So, I actually have Phoenix getting past this series, and I mean, I know I said last series that missing Jamal Murray was going to be a key thing. And then they proceeded to shut my mouth. But I think in this series, missing Jamal Murray is really going to be that key thing. Like right now it's a close game and who knows, we might have a bunch of close games going down the stretch um, in this series. But I just think that there's just a lot of fundamentally sound basketball being played by the Suns. that it's, it's almost like watching um, Tim Duncan when he was playing for the Spurs and now he was just like the guy that was, you know, I'm gonna go out there. I'm gonna do this. It's going to work every time. Cause I'm Tim Duncan. And I just play fundamentally sound basketball. What you're seeing with the Suns is like, they're just playing basketball the right way, not taking ridiculous shots. They're getting to their spots. Cause I think part of that is coaching. Yes. But another part of that is having that veteran person at the primary ball handling position in Chris Paul to go out there and be like, all right, I'm gonna run the offense because I've been here plenty of times. And I need you here. I need you over here. And we're just going to run this and just keep it going. He's that on-the-floor coach that they really needed, that they didn't have when it was just Devin Booker just running the show. They really have someone who can come in and be a on-the-court person that is just leading them, not just in the huddle, not just, you know, drawing up plays, but really on the court and giving these young guys a chance to go out there and show what they can do in the playoffs. And I think that's going to come down as being the deciding factor going against these nuggets because of course they're their coach great too um but Jokic is out there as well and then you have um michael porter jr who was really stepping into his thing but like we've said before you know even with jason tatum he can give you 30 here and then you know next game he's still trying to figure it out so you put a lot of pressure on nikola Jokic to go out there and be the guy which he already is but like you're getting more pressure now especially not having Jamal Murray. And I think that's going to be the deciding factor for them is Jamal Murray is going to be really missed in this series because they're going to need someone to attack and attack and attack with Devin Booker, go shot for shot with Devin Booker, go shot for shot with Chris Paul and all these guys. So I think 
that not having Jamal Murray in this series is going to be the real ticker. Not last series. This one. Call it now. So Phoenix and how many games? I'll say Phoenix and six. All right. I'm going to agree that it's Phoenix. I'll say seven games. Um, but agree with you. I think Devin Booker is probably a little bit more reliable than a Michael Porter Jr. And you're going to need that shot creation. Uh, definitely a toss-up series. Two really evenly matched teams, but I think it could definitely go Phoenix way. I'll say Phoenix in seven. Or yes, Phoenix in seven. And mm-hmm. then you say Phoenix in six. Let's move on to the Utah versus who am I missing? Clippers. Utah versus Clippers. I'll start uh with this one. I think I think one thing that's gonna really challenge the Clippers this series is the paint presence from Rudy Gobert. I think the the Clippers really didn't experience a lot of that with the Dallas Mavericks. You had Boban, you had Dwight Powell, you had Porzingis, uh, you had Willie Cauley Stein. I think that's who we were thinking of earlier, by the way. Uh, who they might have been yeah. jumped on was Willie Cauley Stein, uh, who is a very scary looking man, by the way. Um, yes. Anyways, I don't think those were any rim protectors that really intimidated the Clippers. And Kawhi and PG are two guys that love to get into the paint and love to get into that mid range or just. Uh, you know, easy layups or dunks. I don't think you're going to get that as easily uh, versus this team. And I think Utah has a lot of perimeter defenders too, that could really disrupt their flow. Uh, Like Royce O'Neal, perfect kind of three and D player that you really want on your team. Uh, Bojan Bogdanovic is a guy who can lock, lock down at moments, Uh, but just some really key defenders. And, you know, do the Clippers have more star power? I think so with Kawhi and PG. But I think this is where Utah is going to prevail and show why they are the number one seed. Um, I do think it's going to be a seven-game series, but I have Utah coming out on top. Uh, just like the last series, it can totally be a toss-up. Uh the Clippers showed us that they can prevail past adversity. I think that was big. I think Utah is a very tough place to play in. I think that's another thing. Um, mm-hmm. But I think I have Utah coming out on top with this one. Who you got? Well, actually, I have Clippers in seven. And I think it's because, and I think, I know <laughs> that it's because the Clippers have kind of hit this momentum, especially in the last game against Dallas, where they, I mean, they were kind of going shot for shot in the beginning, but then they kind of just took off. And they were like, you know what? We're just going to leave them in the dust. We're going to win this game, put a staple on it, pack it up, moving on to the next team. Uh, and, and Kawhi Leonard, I can't say this enough, man, but I just – I love the, the dude's game is just so ridiculous. Now, it is going to be tough because you have to go against Rudy, Rudy Gobert. So scoring uh, in the paint is going to be a little bit harder than it was against Dallas. Like you said, there's not that many rim protectors in Dallas. So going against Utah, it's going to be a, lot, a whole lot different. But I do believe that they have enough power, especially in that mid-range or in the perimeter area, to be able to either draw Rudy Gobert out or just be able to hit shots from out there and just leave Rudy Gobert. Like, you can guard the paint cool, because I know you're not coming out here. You're going to hit threes all day. Um, yeah, you're right. He can, be, he can be an absolute paint presence or a liability on the floor. Yeah. So there's going to be a lot of switching going on. There's going to be a lot of, you know, getting him away from the paint. I know that's going to happen. Uh, so 
I believe that it is going to be a, a close series, but I do have the Clippers coming out in seven games only because Donovan Mitchell is like, I don't, I don't understand. I, I, I don't get it. Donovan Mitchell is just great. And it's like he can score at every level on the floor and there's nothing you can do about it. Like once he sets his mind to it, he's going to, it's, it's going to happen. Now he has had some mishaps in like clutch moments. So he probably will overcome those if it happens again this year. He's series. also had some good moments in the clutch oh, too. Yeah, he's had some great moments in the clutch as well. So coming down to it, man, like you said, it's a toss up, but I'm I'm going the opposite direction. I'm going Clippers and seven for this matchup. Utah also has uh pretty much everybody on their roster other than Gobert and uh favors can come out on the perimeter and hit a three. I think that's going to also be an advantage for Utah oh. too. Just the fact that they can all uh, shoot a three. What were you about to say? Jordan Clarkson, man. Six man of the year. Totally forgot about that dude. Yeah. That dude is hooping, bro. Congrats Jordan hooping. Clarkson. When you're in the same name, like in the same vein as Lou will as six man of the year, you know, Lou you're doing will. something right. Lou will will like Lou will lemon pepper. Lou. Let's move to the East. Miami. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I keep saying teams that have been defeated. I'm just giving I'm just giving hope to those fans that are uh really disappointed <laughs> right now. Uh just kidding. Milwaukee versus Brooklyn. I'll start us out here. Wayne, they're up 2-0. They just had Brooklyn just won tonight 125 to 86. No, that is not a typo. Yes, you heard that right. They Jeez. absolutely defeated the Bucks and you mentioned this earlier, but James Harden tweaked his hamstring in the first minute of game one. So yeah. they've done this all without James Harden. So if he comes back, there's I mean, they're still gonna be just pounding, wiping the floor with this team. I don't I don't know what it's gonna take, but I you know, Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton, they really have to step up. Coach Budenholzer is doing things that he did last year, which is poor rotations and not playing his best players long enough in the playoffs. He's like putting minute control on Giannis, and he's your best player. You got to play the dude more. You can't play him like you can't just let him play the first six minutes of the third quarter and then sit him until the fourth quarter. Like most of the best players in the NBA and the playoffs played the whole third quarter. You got to let mm-hmm. him play. Um, but Wayne, after seeing these two games, after seeing the dominance of the Nets without James Harden and how smooth of a player Kevin Durant is and the contributing guys from the Nets too, uh, Mike James, Mike James, who kn- James Harden? No, Mike James. This guy came out of nowhere playing overseas um, and comes in and scores like a smooth 25-26 in game one. So, yes, Brooklyn Nets, they have the star power, but they have depth too. Blake Griffin had a great game one, and he's contributing in ways uh, that's leading to wins. So, Wayne, I'm going to say the Brooklyn Nets being up 2-0, I think going back to Milwaukee, they're going to win both of those games, and this is going to be a sweep. Bring the brooms. Oh, we bringing out the brooms? Oh, snap. Let me go get my Swiffer duster right now, buddy. Um, <laughs> no, I'm actually going to say Brooklyn in five, four, one. Uh, I think, I think the, the Bucks will win a game, 
But it's going to be one of those games where, like, you know, Kyrie probably takes a mental health break. She's like, you know, I'm not going to play this game. And then KD's like, I'm just going to rest my hamstring. And, you know, and James going to be like, ah, I'm already sitting out, so I'm just going to keep sitting out because my buddies are sitting out. So they're going to, like, run a rotation. It like, sounds so casual. Yeah. Like, I said it before, uh, Kyrie treats basketball like it's a regular 9-to-5, you know? Like, if he needs to take time off, he's just going to do it. And you can't question it. You're going to be like, all right, Kyrie, that's cool. Why didn't you play in game three? I had a birthday party to attend. Yeah, it's only the playoffs. I mean, it's like, it's no big deal. My niece only turns five, like, once. So I'm going to go see her. Um, (laughs) So I feel like Brooke, I mean, uh, the Bucks will take a game, like like a random game. Like maybe the next game they'll just win because Brooklyn know, like knows that they're going to win a series. So they're going to take a break, you know, rest their bodies, and, you know, just let the, the backups go in there and just see what they can do in the playoffs. Should the Bucks have any hope seeing what the Clippers did with the Mavs of being down 2-0 and coming back to win the series in uh, seven games? <clears throat> um. I mean, yeah, looking at that, Clippers down 2-0. They came back in one and seven. But the thing is, they weren't going against the Brooklyn Nets. <laughs> they were going against Dallas, which Brooklyn is just way too overpowering on offense. And I don't think that the Bucks have enough offense to be able to keep up with the superstars that they have. So, yeah. I mean, there's is, a little hope to win a is, game, maybe. Is this a uh, Portland situation where if – Milwaukee loses this series. They fire Coach Butenholzer. Is he done with the Bucks after this? If if they lose, I would say yes. I, I personally think yes. Like it's it's over. He's made too many mistakes and has practiced old habits that haven't led to success and hasn't really learned from them. He just continues to do it. So I say yes. He's fired if they lose this, especially if it's a sweep. Oh, if it's a sweep, yeah, he got to go. And like they're a team that is. Like, the pieces that they're missing, one of them is coaching, I believe. And so someone who can go out there and, and trust the guys in key moments and, like you said, manage the rotation a little bit better, especially in the playoffs where you, you want just gotta, your best you guy just out gotta there. You just got to play your best players heavy yeah. minutes in the playoffs. Like, that's what you do. Mm-hmm. So I, coaching does definitely play a factor in why they're struggling right now. And so I believe that if they, even if it's a gentleman's sweep and it's a done in five, he's still probably going to get fired, um, mm. which is tough because he has such a good team. It's just that it's his mindset or his game plan is it's not working for this team. Um, I mean, it worked pretty well in the, in the regular season, but it's not working right now when it counts. So they need a guy who can come in and be like, you know what, we're going to do our thing in the regular season, get our nice little seeding or whatever, but then playoff time, Whoever my core three are, y'all, we're going to need y'all to see some minutes for real to put these other teams away. Because it could easily be a different ball game if, you know, Giannis is on the floor more, Middleton's on the floor more. You got those two guys on the floor as much as you see in KD and Kyrie and all of them. It's, it's a whole different ball game. No doubt. Philadelphia and the Hawks. Hawks are up 1-0 in this series already. Nobody saw that coming, and Joel Embiid was out there. Nobody expected him to play. He had a great game, and the Hawks still came out and won game one. They hit the ground running with a big lead in the first half, and then Philadelphia closed the gap in the second half. It ended up being a four-point game, but the Hawks still came out on top. Um, 
I'll start us out with this one. I think one thing that they're going to have to figure out uh, being the Philadelphia, they started Danny Green out on uh, Trey Young in the first half, and he just got absolutely demoralized by Trey Young. Um, you think with Trey being a young, like a small guard that you can just throw anybody on him? But he's really shifty. Like we talked about this, you know, earlier in the podcast. But like the dude is just really shifty. Knows how to get to his spots. Knows how to set up other guys. But the one thing that Philadelphia did well in the second half was they put Ben Simmons on Trey Young and had a lot more success with with that. Now they were not completely successful with that. He's still going to get Trey Young. Still going to get his own. But I think one thing you change going into game two is you start Ben Simmons out on Trey Young. And I think the hope for Philly is just that Joel Embiid can stay healthy enough to get through this series. I don't, he's definitely not a hundred percent, but you just hope that his availability is at least enough to get them over the hump. And, uh, you know, the best case scenario for Philly would be, Hey, we can finish this series in five or six games and give, uh, Embiid some rest to heal up, uh, that meniscus a little bit more. This is going to be a tougher series than I think people are making that, making it out to be. The Hawks are a tough team. They have guys who can shoot. They move the ball well. They play with energy. They play with tenacity. Um, Philly should be favored for this series. They're the number one seed. Um, they swept the floor with, with Washington. Um, but I, I am going to say that Philly's going to win this for sure. Mm-hmm. It could be a long series, though. I'm going to say this is going to be Philly in six games. Now, if Embiid is not healthy, I think there's an absolute real chance that the Hawks move on and go to the conference finals, uh, which I think would be exciting still, but would be absolutely detrimental to Philly, just given that they are kind of on a timeline, too. Like, There's expectations for them to go to the finals. There's expectations for them to go to the conference finals. Um, but I'm going to say that uh, Philly is going to come out on top for this one. They're going to make the necessary adjustments defensively. They're going to know how to work uh, Tobias Harris on the offensive end. They're going to hope that Embiid stays healthy. And I think, gosh, Ben Simmons, please make your free throws. Because if you're only – even if you shoot 50%, like that's better than what you're shooting now. If you can just make one out of two – that's better than nothing. But they're do- they were doing like the hack of Ben thing. Like remember hack of Dwight, hack of Shaq. They're starting to do that with Ben Simmons. It's not just he doesn't just not shoot three pointers. This dude also can't make his free throws. You would think at least being a guy who gets to the paint, finds his spots down low, that you could at least give some attention and focus on your free throws to let that be a part of your game. But unfortunately, that's just not it right now. So. Uh, my hope for Philly is that he can find somewhat of a stroke for himself at the free throw line. And then Philly comes out on top in six games. Who you got? So I have Philly coming out on top in this series, but here's what, here's my process going into this. Um, if you remember last year in the bubble, when the Lakers were playing against the trailblazers in the first round mm-hmm. and Trailblazers came out and they won game one. And people were like, oh, snap, you know, they can they can do this. They might have a, you know, might give LeBron a tough time. And then the Lakers proceeded to win the next four games. So 
that's the vibe I'm getting from Philly right now. It's like, okay, yeah, y'all came out and y'all won game one. That's cool. If you, if I remember correctly, the Hawks were up by like 20-something points. They were up by a lot. And then they, they only won by four. So Yeah, it was 128 to 124 was the final score. Yeah, and so looking at that, I'm like, maybe they're pulling a page out of LeBron's book. You know, maybe it's like, okay, we'll let them come out and give us all they got in the first game. And we'll kind of, you know, try and keep up and see what's going on. But then after that, case closed, dog. We're going to come out there and show them what we got. Now, of course, your game plan is to try and win every game. I get that. But as like, if you're like the ultimate strategist, you're like, I want to see what they got. I want them to come out and think they got it in the bag and hit us with everything they have so we can see what they have, adjust to it, because come game two, we're going to make you going to do our own thing and really try and shut these guys down. Right. So, like you said, they had Danny Green on him on Trey Young in the first half. Didn't work out. Put Ben Simmons on him in the next half. And maybe, who knows, next game they might come out and Ben Simmons is guarding Trey Young from jump to finish. Like, as from, from the first whistle to the last whistle, Ben Simmons is on Trey Young. And, you know, see if that works. See if that helps, you know, limit him a little bit. So I, I think that it's going to be a five-game series. Maybe six. Um, especially if Joel and B can stay healthy, then so, I so, would... so you think Philly's gonna win four games in a row? Yes. I, I I really that's the vibe I'm getting right now. It's like you know they're just because Atlanta they came out way too hot. They came out and they hit him in the mouth. They're like, yeah, we're Atlanta. We're gonna run through Trey Young, all that stuff. Yeah, we we got it. And then Philly was like, okay, cool, yeah, we got you. Hmm. And then next few games, it might be a whole different story. But we're going to see. The Hawks are definitely a scary team, especially if you let Trey Young do Trey Young things. He's like Steph Curry light. You know, he's going to go out. He's going to pull from deep. He's going to try and shift a little bit, get in there, hit the floater, make awkward shots, of course, hit his free throws. Um, so we'll see. But the it's Hawks- really it's really cool to see a bunch of, uh, you know, teams that we haven't seen a lot here in the mix for the playoffs, you know, and matchups that you wouldn't predict all the time. Like, and especially they're not these big market teams, you know, a lot of them are smaller markets. And I think that's good for the NBA. I think getting those teams, some recognition people, uh, in the world starting to realize who Devin Booker is, who Donovan Mitchell is like, I think this is good for the NBA, uh, to have this balance in the league. I really feel like the league is in a good place when it comes to balance. You know, a few few years ago, I wouldn't have said that. Um, I definitely still think there are favorites. I, I think, you know, I think um, Brooklyn is a favorite for sure. Mm-hmm. The West is a little bit more challenging. Like when you look at Utah, Denver, um, Phoenix, and who am I missing here? Utah, Utah Denver, Phoenix. I'm drawing a blank too. <laughs> we've, see, this is how you know we've been speaking way too long is when we can't think of the uh, – last team Clippers. Thank you. Uh, when you look at those four, I wouldn't really know who to say is my favorite to come out the West. But I, again, I think that's a good thing. And we'll again, get to make more predictions as the playoffs roll along. But thank you for joining us on this episode of the three and D podcast. 
we will see how this round turns out. I'm hoping for some exciting basketball, some balanced basketball. I think, uh, you know, it's within a 10 point spread right now for the Denver and Phoenix game one as we're uh, watching this tonight. So hopefully we'll see a great game and a great series from all these teams. Wayne. Yes, sir. Any words of advice? Actually, before your words of wisdom, while you think of that, <laughs> I want to remind everybody, if you're listening on Apple Podcast, please make sure to give us a five-star review and rating. Um, we would love that. It helps us out. And secondly, if you're listening to this and you're like, yeah, I enjoyed these guys. They were halfway decent. Send it to a friend. Send it to a family member. Send it to your teacher. Send it to your teammate. I don't know. I'm I'm scrambling here. I'm tired. It's late. Yeah, it's okay. I, I got you. Now, Wayne, <clears throat> leave the people with some words of wisdom before you head off to the 10 of C's. Yes. So summertime is approaching. And... Mm. There's one thing, one thing that I want people to remember. doesn't matter, you know, who you are, what you are. It, it doesn't matter, okay? It can be black, white, Asian, Hispanic. It doesn't matter who you are. This right here is going to help you out in the long run, okay? Are you ready? Drew, are you ready? I'm ready. Here it is. Please wear sunscreen. Like, I understand, like, white people, we get it. Y'all got to wear sunscreen. Cool. Black people, wear sunscreen, bro. Like, I was one of those people who just thought that because I had an extra set of melanin in my skin that I didn't need sunscreen. <laughs> but like, bro, you need sunscreen. Put it on. I'm telling you, it'll change your life. Wayne, right? what is a what does a sunburn look like for you? Does it look? I, I, look, I've never been sunburned. Never. But like, and honestly, I feel like if like I ever you, did, like you don't even feel it. I feel like if I ever got sunburned, like it would just be me just getting like ten shades darker. I mean, I'm already dark, but like it just be like complete shadow, you know. So. <laughs> Definitely not trying to get that vibe going over here. So just wear some sun, just like sunscreen, please. Just put it on, like lather up one time, maybe two. You know, please help yourself out. Love I like yourself. To, I like to tell people I'm either two shades, pale or <laughs> red. Um, there's really no in between for me. Like I'm, I don't get tan. I don't have that in my DNA. Unfortunately, my sons are going to get that too. Like they're just going to be extremely white babies so you know you've heard of two chains you can just call me two shades so from two, shades. Two, from two shades drew and wizzy wayne we appreciate you guys joining us and we'll see you on the next episode peace